Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. What could be more New England than apple picking, clam bakes, and piled on lobster rolls? Our local cuisine is known for its long standing traditions, but the food of New England continues to evolve. A new show on WGBH called Weekends with Yankee gives viewers an up close look at our region's exciting culinary culture. Here to talk about the new show is Under the Radar's regular contributor and our food guru, Amy Traverso. Amy is senior food editor at Yankee Magazine, author of The Apple Lover's Cookbook, and now co-host of Weekends with Yankee. Welcome back, Amy. That makes me sound really busy. (laughs) You're so important. That's why we like you. Thank you. So it's so exciting. I've been watching episodes, and um, it's wonderful. So I I know you're having a good time because I'm looking at it on on screen. Yeah, I'm actually, note to self, don't laugh quite so much. In season two, <laughs> no, you it's learn, fine. you live and learn. So this is a joint effort between your 80-year-old magazine, uh, Yankee, and WGBH, and it's now airing on many stations around the country. We should say that. So is it meant to be Yankee Magazine come alive on TV, or is it meant to be sort of a reference to Yankee Magazine and something entirely different? That's such a good question. I think we definitely wanted to bring the pages of Yankee to life, but where you're moving from a print medium to a visual medium, so we knew that the way we told stories would change and that we would adapt the kinds of stories we do from Yankee and apply it to a television medium. New England is so beautiful, and the magazine is very visual, but we knew we'd be able to sort of take it to that other level with incredible cinematography by Alan Weeks, who has worked on a bunch of TV shows, The Amazing Race and others. So in my mind, what we were trying to do, there are sort of three things we're trying to do with the show. We know that readers come to us for kind of, what's New England now? You know, where should I eat? Where should I do? Where should I go? And then there's kind of the New England of their memory. We have four 45%, about 45% of our readers live outside of New England, and we know how much they write to us and tell us what the magazine means, what New England means to them. It's, It's a deep emotional connection people have to this place. And so we wanted to bring that to life. And then the, the sort of New England of your imagination, the, the coast of Martha's Vineyard or the little village with the town green and the white church. And we wanted all of that to come to life kind of today and the sense of history and just the beauty and the way it stimulates um, your imagination. And of course, Barry Manilow had already taken Weekend in New England. That title was <laughs> that title was out. So we went with Weekends with Yankee. <laughs> well, it's working. Um, uh, we should say that your co-hosts are Richard Weiss and you, but he it really goes to all these uh, special nooks and crannies around New England, making New England the kind of special place that you just mentioned. But you're our person, so we're concentrating on only the food segments. Right. Yes, yeah, so this. I come in for one food segment per show. Richard does the other ones. He is 
Like, he's an interesting guy. I mean, he's a, an explorer. He hikes mountains and has an, his own show, Born to Explore. Right. But, yeah, so I come in for the food part. Right. So I just wanted to let people know that's what was happening in this conversation. Yes. And we're very <laughs> excited about it. So in show one, which was uh, called The Coast, it was in Agonquit, Maine, and you are doing a, a special piece with Chef Andrew Taylor of Eventide yes. in Portland, Maine. And you mentioned in the clip that it was your favorite food town in New England. I just want to let our listeners get a little piece of some of the action that you enjoyed when you all did a traditional clam bake, except this was above ground. So let's listen to the clip, and then we can talk about it on the other side. It smells like happiness. It smells a lot like lobster and kind of smoked seaweed. Uh, throw the mussels in. Gosh, you don't want to miss a steamer or a mussel. You know, guys, I think the uh, timing was uh, perfect. The water's <laughs> oh about gosh, to put the fire, fire out, and uh, uh oh, there it goes. It's about to go out. Almost on cue. Wow, look at that! That moment, the water. So, we were working in this really special place called the Ovens, which is on Mount Desert Island. It is a series of shallow caves that have been carved out, sort of soft sandstone that's been carved away by the ocean. And so you have a beach that appears at low tide but completely disappears as the tide rises. So we were doing this clam bake on this rocky beach and knowing that the tide was on its way in and we had to get this food cooked before the water came in. And just at that moment that you hear us kind of freaking out, (laughs) a a wave came in and washed over these red hot coals and sent a flume of smoke, a plume of, of steam into the air like something you'd see in Hawaii, like a, a volcano. The food had been moved just the to The food be, had been point. moved, yes. So we had already pulled it off just in time. It was a matter of seconds before that wave came. So it But it looked, it looked at, and by the way, Alan Weeks, oh my God, really the, the cinematography is mouth-watering. That's is. how I would put it. It is. It, <laughs> you know, and sometimes we'd be filming and I would look at uh, Rennick, our director, would, Rennick Soholt, would be holding the monitor and I would see what Alan was filming and then I'd look at what I was seeing and what Alan was filming was so much more beautiful and I was like, I want to live in Alan's world. (laughs) Well, viewers can live on it as they watch the show. So let me ask this. I'm a Southerner transplanted up here north and we call all of you people up here Yankees, of course, and that's the name of the magazine and your weekends with Yankee. And for so long, that was a political designation, meaning above and below the Mason-Dixon line. I'm wondering how it morphed or did it into what our food sensibilities are in this region and how you would describe it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so funny because we just had this conversation the other day at a launch event for the show about what what is a Yankee, what does that word mean now? And, you know, I'm someone who, my last name ends with a vowel, my family's only been here for, I don't know, 100 years, but it took moving to the West Coast for a few years to realize what a New Englander I am. And so I think for me, being a Yankee means being someone who identifies with New England, whether you live here or not, whether, but if it's in your heart, if it feels like home, you're a Yankee. So what does it mean for the food? And for the food, I think we are at a really cool moment with New England food. I think New England is about to take its place on the sort of American regional food stage in a new way. Now I'm going to back that up by saying, I see chefs doing something they haven't done before. For many years, when I first started, I, you know, I was at Boston Magazine as food editor. I've been covering the Boston food scene for a long time. For a long time, you would see chefs using local ingredients. Remember when everybody was sort of, you know, mm-hmm. for the Vero Farm tomatoes. That was like the thing, <laughs> yes. you know, the only thing. And it expanded. So for a long time, it was great. Local ingredients, wonderful, wonderful. But the references, the cultural references, the cuisine 
reference points were France, Italy, California, anywhere but here, because there was still this feeling that there wasn't anything in our past to reference or to, to pull from or be inspired by. Now I see more and more chefs looking at our vernacular, culinary vernacular, our historic food, and finding something worth modernizing. It's not ye olde baked beans or, you know, stodgy or, you know, bland cod. It's cod done in a way that echoes maybe a historic combination, but is really fresh and new. I mean, you see it. There's a restaurant in Cambridge called Loyal Nine that's mm-hmm. doing this big time Puritan in Cambridge. Townsman is not a New England restaurant in Boston, but I remember the first time I went, they were serving brown bread for for the bread course. Um, I love seeing these references, chefs realizing that there's something there to explore and to to turn into a modern New England identity. And, and that other people are drawn to it. Yes. And yes. even Tide's a great example. I yeah. mean, they, they have a lobster roll, but it's made on sort of an Asian-style steam bun, and the lobster is tossed in a brown butter sauce, and it feels really fresh and modern, but it's absolutely recognizable as a lobster roll. I'm speaking with Amy Traverso. She is co-host of the new WGVH show, Weekends with Yankee, which airs on Sundays at 1230 here. She's also our food guru and a regular contributor to Under the Radar. So something I noticed, you can't get seasick and watch this show because you all are always on boats. My God, you're on boats, you're on boats. And and I start to think about that and I said, is that because, is that a deliberate choice? Because so much of the cuisine is really tied to the water and that's what makes our cuisine regional and so to wait that that water connection yeah i mean i'm sure i'm sure if we were in arusta county people would be like what no it's potatoes what are you talking about but i think a lot of what certainly what makes new england memorable for visitors and for even those of us who live here and and particularly of course in the summer is access to the coast and, and all the amazing seafood that we have here that you don't get everywhere i mean you don't get this kind of lobster anywhere else in the world there's all sorts of fish, you know, and bay scallops. They grow in Buzzards Bay and around Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. Well, Those so are speaking really... of that, that was episode two. Yes. Uh, called the, the Wild. You were uh, The day the... Amy almost froze to Oh, my up. God, you look pretty cold. You're out <laughs> on a so boat uh, uh, picking up Atlantic Bay scallops. And you are a cook, so you made crudo on the boat. So let's take a listen. We've got the sweet scallops. We've got uh, orange juice for sweetness. We've got lemon juice in here. We're going to do some chili for heat and some mint leaves for cool. I'm going to sprinkle some sea salt on there for crunch. And here it is. All right. A little appetizer. Oh, my God. There you go. A little citrus to think we're in Florida. Yeah. (laughs) Delicious. That's Amy Traverser on the boat a lot on weekends with Yankee, <laughs> making crudo for the crew there. It looked yummy. It was so delicious. So these scallops, <laughs> we, we pulled these scallops off the bed of the floor of this uh, cove, and they were so fresh, cracked them open. The captain actually was cracking. He was really fast. Cut out all the meat, and I had this bowl of meat, and it was like nature's bubble gum. I mean, it was so good and so sweet and fresh. And I had absolutely no trouble eating this raw. I mean, it was as clean and fresh as it could be, and it was delicious. Well, one time you missed the boat, yet you met Richard Weiss, your co-host, afterwards to watch Jeremy Sewell make a an oyster stew. People may know him from Row 34 in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, pretty popular restaurant, well-known. Let's take a listen to you in the kitchen with Jeremy Sewell. They get roughly at the edges. Yeah, you're you're just kind of gently poaching the oysters in the liquid, and all that stuff is going to kind of come together. 
little bit of grilled sourdough. And then we just spoon the oysters and all the vegetables and the cream and everything right over the top. All right. And then what I love to do is to make it look pretty, some fennel tops and celery leaves. Make it pretty, Jeremy. That's, that's my job. <laughs> it might not taste good. Let's not forget, though, <laughs> piece of resistance for the stew oh, nice. here. And these are just local apples. They're so pretty and so sweet and tart. And leave the skin on and just a few over the top. You guys ready? I was born ready. I'm going to leave it to you. <laughs> mm. I'm so with you on that apple. Yeah. It really just like rounds out the dish. That so, apple was so smart. I have never good. thought to put oysters and apples together. I have to say, I haven't always loved oysters to it. It has a, a texture. Right. Cooked oysters have I'm a particular fan, texture. But it it's a little mousse-like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, his stew is amazing. And the thing that's so great is he serves it over this crusty bread. So if you don't like that mushy oyster texture, you're getting something crunchy in, in the same bite. And the apple, the sweetness of the apple playing off the sweetness of the... Oh, my God, it was so good. We were just there this week and had it again, and it was just as good. And the heavy cream doesn't hurt either. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> Fat equals flavor. <laughs> so do you get to pick the food segments? I was wondering. Yeah. we, we uh, This very much came out of the edit team sitting down and saying, what are our favorite places? What are our favorite stories? What's something that's familiar? Because we wanted things that were new. If you live here, something that would be new to you. But we also wanted to go to familiar places and say, hey, here's a new way of looking at it. Or here's a, here's a part of you know, the breakers that you don't normally get to see, or here's something, here's a, a fresh way of seeing it, or some inside access that we have. So all the segment ideas came from us. But one of them was just came out of being on Martha's Vineyard. We heard about these two young guys mm. who are growing shiitake mushrooms in the woods of Chilmark. That's coming up in an, an upcoming okay, we'll talk, yeah, yeah. episode. But I, yeah. I listen, I'm all about Martha's Vineyard, as you know. Well, this, <laughs> I, mean, I never even knew about mushrooms yeah. and shiitakes. I, I knew of them, but apparently they're in Japan. They're so prized that they're graded much like beef. And the part of Japan where the most prized grade A shiitake mushrooms come from is very similar in, in its climate and its geography to Martha's Vineyard. So these two young guys who met in a Harvard mycology class, they were biology majors, decided let's grow the best mushrooms in America on Martha's Vineyard. We went to visit them and we tasted them right off the oak logs that mm. they grow them on. They're fantastic. Oh, I can't wait for that segment. And I'm going to look for them when I'm on Martha's Vineyard because I think this is really exciting. Here's what I think is exciting. We've, we seem to be in a place in general in our society where we have opposing trends. So one is making everything the same. That's everywhere you go. And then there's a whole other movement in food, certainly, with farm to table and uniqueness and freshness and, you know, boutique and unique. And they seem to be clashing a little bit. And I wonder where you're finding that we fall here in New England. Where's the balance right now? See, I think we are becoming more local. And as I said before, not just in our ingredients and using our local ingredients, but in our flavors and exploring not just English-inspired cuisine. You know, there are many cultures that have influenced New England food. I mean, you've got, you know, Acadian and Portuguese and Italian and Irish and so many, you know, Caribbean. I mean, I grew up near Hartford, Connecticut and worked at a West Indian bakery. I mean, the flavors there are so common around because it's such a large community. But I think, you know, every cuisine that comes to America is influenced then by 
what's available, what's on hand. So a lot of the traditional New England dishes that you think of, like chowder or Johnny Cakes in particular, let's, mm. let's take Johnny Cakes, or Indian pudding. That is basically taking the traditional British dish that people knew how to make back in England and making it with the cornmeal that they had because they didn't have flour. So, you know, I think even when you talk about Portuguese food, or you're seeing an interplay between the New England seasons, the New England landscape, what can be grown here, and the tradition that people are bringing with them. So I think New England cuisine is evolving, and I think the identity of this is where we live and we're going to cook like we live here and not, I mean, not that we won't have Italian and French and all the great restaurants, but we're going to be more interested in cooking like we live here Mm. specifically. So if we think of New England just randomly without knowing any of this, we think probably cranberries and apples. And you're kind of our apples uh, expert, Amy Traverse. No, because you've (laughs) written a a wonderful book. (laughs) Your book is fabulous, The Apple Lover's Cookbook, if people have not seen it. And so I was very thrilled uh, in episode five to see you all go to an apple farm and then taste this, what was called uh, heirloom cider. Um, So let's take a listen. There you go. There you go. Lovely. Okay, so you want honest opinion? Yes. Okay, because I do like apple cider. Wow, that is really, really good. I mean, the, I, that nectar-like kind of thickness that you were talking about, I totally... It's way too good. <laughs> Boy, that looked good. It was it was it was <laughs> nectar of the gods. I mean, it was thick. It was made with so many apple varieties. You know, apples have a real spectrum of flavor from lemon to honey to spice to berry. I mean, some apple varieties taste like strawberries. Which is outlined in your book. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so when you take ten varieties of apple and press them together, you're getting the whole rainbow spectrum of flavor. And this place, Scott Farm in Dummerston, Vermont, the orchardist is this guy, Zeke Goodman. I mean, he's a modern day Johnny Appleseed. He is preserving and propagating apple varieties that date back to the 1600s. He knows them as intimately as his children. It is an amazing place. And and you probably have seen this place if you've seen the movie Cider House Rules because that's where they filmed it. And that's also where Rudyard Kipling lived for a couple years, and it's where he wrote the Jungle Book. So there's this amazing history. I mean, if you like apples, if you, it's not pick your own. You go to the farm stand. It's a beautiful farm stand. It is so worth a trip there. It is one of the most beautiful spots. And it's in southern Vermont. It's not that far away. And I have to say, he looks like a character with the long beard. He looks like Johnny Appleseed. He's got this long beard. So that sort of adds to it. Yes, it really does. It probably made the cider taste even better because he looks like. (laughs) You sort of feel guilty like pegging out your cell phone around him, you know, because he's so pure and he's he's so smart and really interesting to talk to. So foodies, and I am one, uh, and on a small level, travel around the country. I keep lists of places I'm going to go check out and it has and I'm very interested in regional cuisine. So I'm wondering where do people come here when foodies trek to New England? Where do you know that they might land and I, I know you're hitting on some of those places in the show Weekends with Yankee but just curious. So I think I mean if if when I hear about people sort of planning a food yes. trip here, I think probably the first destination for a lot of people is Maine just because there's so much concentrated, especially around the Portland area. You've got the ingredients coming in from the land, from the farms, and then you've got all the seafood and all the stuff you imagine, you know, you've you've got to check off your clam chowder, your lobster roll, your fried clams, you know, you can get all that. And of course, people want to eat around Boston and know where to eat. And then I think, you know, Vermont has its own really strong food identity. Vermont has an incredible concentration of 
um, makers, people who are doing incredible cheeses and making incredible cider and making incredible chocolate and bread. I mean, some of the best bread is being made in Vermont right now using local grain. It's So I think Vermont does promote a cheese trail that you can do, much mm. like you would do a wine a trail wine through trail. Sonoma. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also a coastal wine trail on the south coast of, of, of Massachusetts for Rhode Island. And <laughs> yes. that is, and I would encourage people to really go try the wines on the coastal wine trail and to go every couple of years because we're still a relatively new winemaking region. And When California was starting out, there was a growth curve. And there's a growth curve here, or learning curve, I should say, and a growth curve. (laughs) And you see them get better and better as people learn, okay, which grape varieties work here? What's the best growing method for this grape? What's the best vinification method for this blend? And I love watching that evolution. And we've seen that with Jonathan Alsop here Mm, when we get together and taste wine, and he brings in some local stuff. It just gets better. Well, one of my favorites, and it's going to be in an upcoming episode, so I'm, of course— bias because I we think of wine as food and that's so demonstrated in Weekends with Yankee on your segment at Westport Rivers. So I'm going to give people a little early taste uh, because I love Westport Rivers. Me too. <laughs> Show me what to do. All right, so here's a pair of clippers. Oh, thank you. And we're picking anything that's hanging there and putting it into this box. I'm liking this. I think I could do this for a while. I feel like I'm part of a noble tradition, you know? Can I try one? Thanks. No charge. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. Mm. They really are sweet. Mm. It's the end of the season. The later they're on here, mm. the sweeter they get. Boy, those are good. So you I, got to taste the grapes before they get made into wine. Yeah, but I'm picturing all the guys who actually pick the grapes full time just rolling their eyes. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I could do this all day. <laughs> well, I, all I can say is the result is always delicious it at Westport yeah. Rivers. That's my favorite thing to recommend to people. They're just the loveliest people. It's yeah. such a gorgeous setting. I mean, so beautiful. And that whole area, that whole South Coast area, the Farm Coast, that's sort of like what Cape Cod was like 30, 40, 50 years ago. Mm. It's the undiscovered gem of coastal southern New England for sure. And you're sacrificing nothing. No no <laughs> taste, no quality because no. it's excellent. And so. there's great food too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So here's a question. You think of Yankee Magazine and the kind of way that it's approached New England and the stories about New England as the magazine that looks outside of the city, really. But in this show, you're both inside the city and outside the city. Was that a deliberate choice? It was very deliberate. I mean, I think when it comes to the magazine, we do go to the cities and we do make sure to cover them, but we're not concentrating on them. And there are magazines that already do that. There's Boston Magazine here. and So in the pages, while we, we do city stories, they're distributed among a lot of town and country stories. But with the show, we really, if we're going to distill, you know, essential New England experiences into 13 episodes, we need to spend some real time in cities. And I think in season two, we want to do even more of that because there's just so many stories to tell and places to visit. But we did spend an amazing day with Barbara Lynch, Mm. Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. Here in Boston, people don't know. Yes, recently named that. But hearing her life story, she has a terrific new memoir out telling her life story, how she grew up in the Southie Projects and ended up, you know, running this culinary empire. And And lied and said she could cook to priests. Yes. (laughs) I remember that story. Yes, and stole a bus (laughs) with her friends just to show she could do it. Um, She's amazing. She is amazing. And she is so much of this place and so true to her roots and yet has 
folded the world into her herself and into her cooking. Um, so we had a great day there. And of course, we visited Portsmouth. We have a lot to do with in Portland next time. We, our Portland guys wanted to go up to Acadia, which we were very happy to do. But there's certainly stories to tell about Portland proper, too. Well, there are many more stories. They're beautiful. There's a whole many shows coming up, even as we're speaking. When our show airs, people will have many more episodes to look forward to. So I encourage them to savor because you brought it to them. And I will also let them know that they'll be salivating while watching. Yes. Thank you so much, Amy. Sundays at 1230. Thank you so much. Amy Traverso is Under the Radar's food guru and the senior food editor of Yankee Magazine. She is the author of the Apple Lovers Cookbook and the co-host of Weekends with Yankee. The show airs on Sundays at 1230 here on WGBH, and you can learn more at weekendswithyankee.com. That's it for this edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find our show and links to stories we discussed today on the web at news.wgbh.org slash UTR. Listen to our show on the WGBH app and take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please write to us at undertheradar at wgbh.org. Our engineer is Doug Sugarts. Andrea Aswai is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH. WGBH.